This is Hope FM. Literally, uh, millions of people suffer from kidney disease of one form or another. And one organization that uh, supports and helps uh, to deal with the many factors of that is the National Kidney Federation. And uh, Pete Revel joins me now. He's the head of marketing and fundraising. Good morning to you, Pete. Yes, good morning. As you say, um, millions of people, and it's 3.5 million was the last total. Yeah, fantastic. So is it one of those areas of, of disease which is on the increase, or, or has it managed to be halted because of medical science? I mean, what is the current situation? I would love to say the latter, but sadly not. Um, since COVID, um, lots of people have ended up with kidney problems through COVID. Um, so there's more and more people on dialysis and waiting for a transplant. And, and why, why, why the increase because of COVID, Pete? No one seems to really know. Um, many things affected us with COVID, as we all know. And um, yeah, one of the things, sadly, was it was affecting your organs. And obviously, one of the organs is your kidney. So yeah, more people... Um, on dialysis and also because of COVID there was less transplants taking place so there's now a backlog of people waiting for transplants as well so that has now dipped as well the transplant waiting um, or the the people that have had transplants and the waiting list has gone up. I suppose one of the answers could be in, in that delay, couldn't it? Because obviously with COVID, pe- people weren't seeing their doctors. They weren't able to have hospital appointments. Lots of people were, were bumped because obviously the, the disease was striking without sort of announcing itself, as it were. But nevertheless, it's, uh, it's quite sad. Obviously, we're now beginning to get over COVID. We're not saying goodbye to it completely. Are things getting a little better? Yeah, they are. With our helpline, um, you know, through COVID, which seems years ago now, um, we were inundated with people, you know, wanting help and support. And the problem was in the COVID times with kidney patients, they had to go on dialysis regardless because dialysis saves their lives. But some of them were going on public transport um, to dialysis and then being in a very busy environment in hospital and then coming back on public transport and they were just scared to death that you know there were one way if they didn't go they would die because of you know not having dialysis in another way they could die because of covid so it was a horrible situation with our charity and for kidney patients um everyone was at their wits ends basically now you've already said about your helpline there but tell us a wee bit more about what the federation does and of course the, the fact that it's federation does that mean that there are other organizations involved Yes, yeah, so we were born 45 years ago um, through various little kidney patient associations around the country, the little groups, and they needed a body to look after them all. And that's how the National Kidney Federation was born. And yeah, we're the umbrella of all the little local ones. Um, so we've now grown since then, and we're a entity in ourselves, but um, our helpline is our major strength where I always describe it as if you go to the doctors, you get bombarded with, you know, information, you come out, scratch your head and say, what was that all about? Well, you ring our helpline and, you know, we then put it into layman's terms. We've got leaflets on the subject of kidney disease. In fact, over 200 different subject leaflets just on renal. So that just shows how complex, you know, kidney disease is. Now, obviously, we hear a lot about prostate cancer and so on, and particularly about the fact of people not going to the doctor early enough and so on. How do people know, what are the signs that there could be 
problems with the kidneys? As I say, kidney disease is very complex. So there's various things. You can be born with kidney disease. Mm. Um, you can end up with an acute kidney injury through various things. Um, also, your lifestyle as well. If you have high blood pressure, that can lead to kidney damage as well. And also, as simple as keep hydrated, you know, in the summer when we don't drink enough, you go to the toilet, you have bright yellow wee, well, that means your kidneys are struggling to work. So, you know, the clearer the wee, I know it's breakfast time, but the clearer the wee, the better, the better your kidneys are. Yeah, and of the calls that you receive, and obviously you receive lots and lots of calls, what are the main things that people uh, talk to you about, want to know? It varies, really. Um, probably early kidney disease, where people have just been diagnosed, frightened, feel they're alone, and, you know, don't know where to turn, and we can help them. And, you know, we can't solve all their problems, but we can answer all their questions. I think it's probably the easiest way to describe that, um, because it is a very daunting thing, and you don't get better from kidney disease. You talked about the role of the National Umbrella Organisation uh, and and what you do. Largely, it seems that your helpline is the sort of number one thing. But what happens at, at the local level? The local level, they do everything from, you know, there's one recently that's told us about what they did. They, um, out of the window from the dialysis centre, was a really horrible garden, what just looked really unsightly. So they put nice plants in, so people, when they're sitting on dialysis, actually had somewhere nice to look out at. Um, so it's, you know, basics from that to having holiday homes, um, to trips to the seaside in the summer, things like that, the local level do. So it's very much a support a, a network of, you know, enable people to either come together or to know that they're not the only ones at a local level who are, who are having to deal with the issue. Very much so, yes. Um, you know, the whole organisation, including the local ones, are very much a support network in every way and what's best for the kidney patient. Now, obviously, you're, you're a relatively small charity. I mean, how, how do you cope? Because clearly, I mean, you mentioned there about things going through the roof during COVID and so on and a tsunami of people seeking help and support. How have you managed to cope? We just do. Um, we've only got eight members of staff, believe it or not. We come across as this massive charity, but, um, you know, every every penny counts. And later on, we'll talk about our new challenge, Choctober. Now, I always say if someone gives us £5, it's £5 more than we had. So we're just very grateful for everything we can, you know, generate. And we make it put it to good use yeah how, how many sort of um, you know and you said you had eight staff and so on and then do the local people are do they employ staff at a local level as well or is it totally voluntary totally voluntary um the local ones are so they can be from you know some of the london um kidney patient associations uh, are very wealthy and they do lots of good and they give money to research and things like that within the hospitals and then you'll get another one that's only got a very small committee of, you know, two or three, um, but they all try and do their utmost to help the kidney patient. Now, obviously, everybody's got challenges and aspirations and so on, and you've told us a wee bit about what you have been doing. If money was no object and resources was no object, what are the sorts of things that would be on the, on the Federation's hit list, things that you would like to see happening? 
just support more and more kidney patients, really, because, um, you know, there, there is another charity that does research looking into, you know, better treatments. Um, we're the support network, so supporting kidney patients more and more um, and, you know, anything they need, because um, unfortunately, as a kidney patient, most can't work because of the the lifestyle that it's driven because of dialysis and everything else. Yeah, and I suppose the dominant thing is when you're diagnosed with something like like kidney disease and so on, particularly if you don't know too much about it, it can be very, very scary and upsetting, can't it? Very, yes. Um, you know, as I said, there is no cure. So, um, you know, you lead on to dialysis. After dialysis, you hope that you can get a transplant. Um, transplant can last 40, 50 years. Mm. Some transplants don't. Um, you know, it's um, a foreign body going into your body as such, and yeah. sometimes it's not a good match. Mm. So sadly, they reject. Um, so some transplants last six months. Some, as I say, you know, 40, 50 years. Um, it is the ultimate golden ticket as such, but it's not the end of kidney disease. Uh, my mom actually had one of her kidneys removed and uh, she lived to the grand old age of 80. Uh, so it is possible to, to live on, on just one kidney? Oh, 100%. Um, you know, we don't know, unless you go to the doctors, have an x-ray or whatever, um, how many kidneys you've got. Um, so some people are born with one kidney. I take it um, we should have two. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure we have got two, but you never know. Yeah. And that's when, you know, people do give their kidney to a loved one or even a stranger, believe it or not. Um, some people are on the list to, you know, donate to a stranger just because they want to help. Um, so, yeah, you can perfectly survive with one kidney and so donating kidneys hopefully you will never have to use them but i guess that whole point of, of donating organs becomes all the more important because it make it can and has made a difference to so many people hasn't it it has um you know now is the consumed consent where presumed consent should i say of when you're um, sadly, you know, you have an accident or something, your organs can be what they call harvested, um, which is, you know, given to someone else. But the important thing is you need to have that conversation with your family to say, you know, I'm fully behind this. Um, you know, sadly, when I die, I want to give my organs. This is Hope FM. And this morning, our focus is on the National Kidney Federation, and I'm talking to Pete Revel, who's the head of marketing and uh, fundraising. Well, a grand title you have there, Pete. Uh, quite a mountain to climb. How much do you have to raise each year to keep the wheels turning? Uh, we, we raise round about five to six hundred thousand pound a year. Um, I think I've been doing this for fifteen years or so, and this year seems to be the toughest year um, for fundraising, without a doubt. Um, the cost of living crisis has really hit hard on all charities and us especially. Um, you know, people can't afford to, you know, give that hundred pound sponsorship and things like that. So it's really affected, you know, small charities like ourselves. So how how do you? Uh, support the charity. I mean, I know you have two massive, big, big drives in terms of fundraising. We're going to talk about one particularly today. But in general, do you do you receive regular donations and support from people who are grateful from the services that are given both nationally and indeed locally? It's 
bits and bobs with our charity, to be honest. Um, we have legacies, you know, where kidney yep, patients yep. Um, leave their uh, £100 or £1,000 in their wills, things like that. Um, we do have what we call some industry partners, the drug companies that are associated with renal companies. Um, you know, we get donations from them. Um, people do half marathons, marathons, not many, but they do. Um, so it's bits and bobs all over the place. So when it comes to challenges like October that we're going to be talking about, that's why it's so important to try and, you know, generate some funds. Now, Choctober, uh, so you're hitting the love of all of us, chocolate. and uh, But of course, I guess that we all have those guilty pleasures, but we do realise that as we put on the pounds and the, t- the tummy expands, that maybe we should having a little bit less chocolate. So tell us, how will Choctober work? Well, Choctober comes about because um, a lot of kidney patients can't eat certain foods. Um, bananas is one, chocolate's another, because of the contents um, within the chocolate. So as a chocoholic myself, I thought it would be absolutely horrible to, you know, not be ever to be able to eat chocolate. So this is how Choctober was born quite a few years ago. Um, and I couldn't say to people, you know, give it up for six months and see how hard it is. So leading up to Christmas, which unfortunately it's round the corner, yes. um, October is a great month to give up all your chocolate and um, have to put up with, you know, not being able to have that guilty pleasure, as you call it. Um, get people to sponsor you and then you're tied in because if someone donates £5, £10 to you, then you're less tempted to go into the fridge and think, oh, I'll be all right, I'll have a Mars bar, because you know someone's actually trusting you to do that challenge. So this is what it's all about, really. And I suppose it's also solidarity, isn't it? Because obviously, as you say, there are many people with kidney disease that they can't eat chocolate. They don't have the the luxury of being able to choose to have it or not to have it. They just can't have it because it would obviously make matters a great deal worse in terms of their health. So uh, I, I guess that also that, um, you know, there must be quite a lot of people whose lives have been impacted by, you know, by kidney failure or by kidney disease of one kind or another. Are they first in the queue for, for giving up the chocolate? Hopefully, yes. Um, you know, years ago, I used to work with, um, oh, a seven-year-old boy, and um, nobody understood that he had kidney disease, and friends and even family would buy Easter eggs for him. Oh. He weren't allowed it, so they'd sit on the shelf and he'd have to give them to his brothers and sisters. And I just couldn't imagine what he must have gone through to, you know, have them Easter eggs but not be able to eat them. Um, so it's things like this. Um, nobody really understands kidney disease. I always describe it as not a sexy disease. Um, and it's a hard life being a kidney patient in every way. Um, so if we can help in some way um, with challenges like this, we do. Absolutely. Now, what would you like us to do? Obviously, we have to decide that we're going to eat less. Maybe if we're really brave, give up uh, chocolate altogether in October. Of course, we have to provide room for the mince pies and the turkey and all the stuff that we'll be eating in December and so on. So I suppose that would be a good excuse. And then come January, of course, we know as we hit, you you start to get ready for hitting the beach, don't we? Hopefully in, in a nice summer. But what would you like us to do? It's very simple. All you have to do is go to our website, which is kidney.org.uk. You can't miss Choctober as soon as you get on there. All you have to do is 
fill in a very simple form, which is your name and email address. We'll send you an email with all the details on of how to take part in the challenge. Um, set up a Just Giving page, promote it to your friends and family, and hopefully you'll raise a little bit of money. And if it's £5, it's £5 more than we had. Um, if it's £100, happy days. Um, but we'd just love you to take part. And I'm not going to be chocolate police, so I'm not going to be <laughs> looking through your window to see if you're eating that Mars bar or Twix when, you know, nobody's looking. But, you know, the main thing is awareness of kidney disease and hopefully generate some money. But, of course, they don't have to give up chocolate completely. They could just uh, substantially reduce, couldn't they? And, uh, and because I think sometimes it's very hard just to, you know, particularly things in your lifestyle and you enjoy them, just to stop it is quite difficult. But maybe maybe instead of two bars, you have one or, or half a bar or something like that. Now, I know oh, you're too lenient. You are. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I'm, I'm too kind. I, I really, well, you see, I was, I was actually uh, quite a chocolate fan myself, but I had a little stroke, uh, and uh, I've had to substantially change my lifestyle. And one of one of the things, of course, is sweet stuff. You know, and uh, yeah. so I would have been, uh, you know, a number. Well, I, since I'd given up the old, not completely, but reduced my intake, then I've lost two stone, and I'm probably fitter than I've ever been in my in my in my life. So sometimes these things, you know, make perfect sense for our own health. Never mind, you know, helping other people. I quite agree. So we'd love people to take part yeah. in Choctober, um, regardless of if there is any rules or not. This is Hope FM.